Greetings, dear brethren, in the lovely name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are continuing our series, series on the book of Nehemiah. And we trust thus far that you've been blessed by our teaching. We're going to discuss this morning Nehemiah chapter 2. However, we're going to divide it into two sections. And the first section deals with the approval of King Artaxerxes sending Nehemiah to Jerusalem. Let's read from the Word of God, Nehemiah chapter 2. In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I have not been sad in his presence, and the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad, when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Today we're going to deal with the emphasizing of how great the favor that Nehemiah had with the king. Also how Nehemiah sought protection from the king, whereas Ezra had not sought protection. How Nehemiah used wisdom in securing confirmation from the king to convince the doubting Thomases. Let's pray. Father, we come to you knowing full well that God, your hand is upon me and Ian. For God, our delight is to do your bidding. We remind ourselves of what Jesus had said. Lo, I come in the volume of the book to do thy will. This also is Ian's cry and my cry, and even Mrs. Deep's cry and Catherine's cry, that we too might do the will of God, that we might die to self and live unto Christ and Christ alone, that we might decrease, that Christ might increase. Help us to minister, O God, by the anointing of the Spirit, we pray that our words will bring clarity and understanding. And above all, that God, not will only man be heard, but they will sense the voice of the Spirit, the direction of the Spirit, the conviction of the Spirit. And also that God, the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Spirit be glorified through this preaching. And we pray with much thanksgiving in and through the name of of King Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Our eternal God, loving God, has over the years taught His beloved children some wonderful lessons of life. One that stands out to me, and I'm sure for you as well, is when our ways please God, not only will we find favor with God, we will also find favor with our fellow man. And that can be both the saved and the unsaved. 
God is a great rewarder of those who please Him and diligently seek Him to do the will of God. Nehemiah, the man of comfort, the man of great consolation, was highly favored by King Artaxerxes. This is evident for the king was not suspicious of Nehemiah's acting out of the ordinary. Nehemiah's disposition before the king was always pleasant and efficient. And for Nehemiah to be sad and forlorn, pitiful in the presence of the king would perhaps be quite detrimental, harmful to Nehemiah. Perhaps King Artaxerxes might have believed that Nehemiah had tampered with the wine, thus endangering the king's life. However, the relationship of the king to Nehemiah was one of great trust. Instead of being suspicious or angry, the king inquired of what was the reason for Nehemiah being so sad. In fact, the king came to the right conclusion of what was wrong with Nehemiah. The king said to Nehemiah, you're not sick. And rather he confirmed what Nehemiah was going through. And that being sadness of heart, sorrow of heart. But more than that, he also wanted to know what had caused the sorrow of heart. What the king said evidently showed the depth of a meaning and a caring relationship between the king and Nehemiah. King Artaxerxes was not confused nor angered with Nehemiah's countenance. Rather, the king was concerned. The king empathized with Nehemiah. He felt the heartbreak of his cupbearer. This is much of the relation of a slave to his master, a king to a nobody but a slave. Here was a relationship way beyond slave and king. Here was a relationship of trust and respect. As, as much as Nehemiah could not conceal his deep inner hurt, in a similar way, the king could not hide his concern for his cupbearer whom he honored and respected. Nehemiah's answer to the king was preceded with prayer. Though Nehemiah was aware of the king's concern, he took nothing for granted. Once again, he prayed to the God of heaven, the God who is in total control, for heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. Note the reaction of Nehemiah when the king had asked why he was so sad. He was afraid. Though afraid, Nehemiah knew in whom he believed and he was persuaded that his life was not in the hands of King Artaxerxes. His life was in the hands of Almighty God whom he served and therefore he prayed a silent prayer, believing and trusting God to mellow, soften the heart of the king toward him. Deep within his spirit, Nehemiah had the witness that the horrible news of the condition of Jerusalem was not just news. It was a call from God for him to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. Herein is a wonderful lesson for the modern day servants of the Lord and I include myself. Man cannot kill us. Yes, like Peter was in prison. Yes, like Peter was in prison. We too at times might be persecuted. But rest assured, no man can take our life for the simple fact God will not allow our lives to be taken until we complete the task He has laid upon us. The life of Nehemiah was not held in the hands of King Artaxerxes. 
The life of Nehemiah was held in the hands of a mighty God who loved Nehemiah, who had faith in Nehemiah, knowing full well that even as he would hear the news, he would answer the call to go and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah, with tears of anguish, answered the king's question why he was heartbroken. Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? What Nehemiah conveyed to the king was not just words. Nehemiah expressed his spirit of anguish, of suffering, of torment, of agony, of torture and pain. Nehemiah was in pain, tortured by the fact he was living in such luxury, lacking nothing, well cared for by the king. And there in Jerusalem, his people were in want, lacking the necessities of lacking the necessities of life. The enemies having free reign in their beloved city, going to and fro, for the walls were broken down and the main gate destroyed by fire. Nehemiah, the man of comfort and consolation had a similar spirit. Can I say it again? Nehemiah, the man of comfort and consolation, had a similar spirit than that to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the very Holy One of God, who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. No wonder Nehemiah, Nehemiah made up his mind to leave his comfort zone and identify with the people of Jerusalem. The city whose name meant peace was yet without peace. Nehemiah felt the pain of his people. When we consider Nehemiah more than willing to, to leave his comfort zone, relinquish his comfort zone, comfort zone surrender it, abandon it, renounce it, give it up. He gave all up. Even the benefits of serving the king who honored and respected him. Even his fellow men, his fellow servants honored and respected him. He lacked nothing, was never found in want. What a man. He leaves all this behind him with the intention of going to Jerusalem. Now, here is another definite type of Jesus our Lord and Savior that Nehemiah expressed. Let me read the scripture and I trust you grasp this. Philippians chapter chapter 2, 5 to 11. Let Christ himself be your example as to what your attitude should be. For he who had always been God by nature did not cling to his prerogatives as God's equal but stripped himself of all privilege by consenting to be a slave by nature and being born as mortal man. And having become man, he humbled himself by living a life of utter obedience, even to the extent of dying. And the death he died was the death of a common criminal. That is why God has now lifted him so high and has given him the name beyond all names, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, whether in heaven or earth or under the earth. And that is why in the end, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can you see the picture? Jesus left the portals of glory. He left heaven where he was worshipped and honoured. He laid aside all his glory, his honor, his prestige. And he became a man, more than becoming a man. He that was God became a servant. There's a similarity, surely, that I see and I trust you can see it. I know Ian sees it. Nehemiah left a good thing behind. He lacked nothing. He was short of nothing. 
He was well favored by the king. He was respected, but he was willing to give that all up. Because like his Jesus, like his God, he was touched with the feelings of other people's infirmity. And by the way, he wasn't even living there. He only heard of what was taking place. My God, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But like I said, faith without works is dead. And prayer without feet is dead. What's the use we hear? And some of us even see the plight of others being destitute, distressed, sick, lacking. And we close our ears and we shut our eyes and we walk away without ministering to the needs of people. Nehemiah's answers to King Artaxerxes was more than emotional. It carried an appeal for empathy and help. He did not just want the sympathy of the king. He wanted the empathy. He did not only want the king to be sorry, but he wanted the king to feel the way he feel. And unless we feel the pain of others, we will never ever minister to them. Hallelujah. The broken, angry spirit of Nehemiah touched the compassionate, sensitive spirit of the king whose respect he had. He was a simple cupbearer, but he was well respected, honored and favored. The king asked Nehemiah, what are you requesting? And I can imagine the, 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 the compassion in his voice. I, I, I can imagine uh, 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 the expression of wanting to help. His voice was not just uh, 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 booming. His heart, his hand, his being was reaching out to his servant. In plain words, when the king said, what are you requesting? He was simply asking, how can I help? What can I do to change the situation, Nehemiah? You're such a good man to me. You, 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 you play with your own life every time you give me a cup of wine. You are willing to drink the wine to die first that I might not die. I've got to do something for you. Appreciation. He was a non-Jew, and yet he was willing to help. This reaction of the heathen king speaks volumes of truth that we as Christians so often falter in. We see and hear the terrible plight, difficulties of others, but we distance ourselves from those in dire need. We fail to understand that sin is not only toward the negative, Sin is also leaning towards the positive. Let me reiterate that. We as Christians fail to understand that sin is not only towards the negative, it is also towards the positive. Hear what the word of God says. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. James chapter 4 verse 17. Let me reiterate. Therefore to him who knows to do good and does it not to him it is sin. Yeah, is a heathen king. A man who is serving, serving false gods. No doubt the very attitude, the very conduct of, of, of Nehemiah witnessed to him every day. Nehemiah was before him and he knew there was something different to this young man. He saw in this man a living pistol of God. He saw the character, the nature, the essence, the grandeur, the splendor of God. For this man lived for Jehovah God. Because when he served King Artaxerxes, he done it as unto the Lord. Hallelujah. 
failure to do good to others who are in dying need and calling out for help is nothing less than sin. I want to reiterate that. Failure to do good to others who are in dire need and calling out for help is nothing less than sin. I want to share a quick testimony. And I'm not boasting, but if I boast, I boast in the Lord. My wife and my family always say, Joe, we will never ever give you money. And you know why they will never give me money? Because they know I will always give it away. If what you own, you cannot share or give away, then you don't own it. It owns you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I grew up that way. In a home where my mother and father cared for people. They took my brother's friends who were dropouts in society and put them under our roof, no matter how bad those boys were. My aunts and my uncles lived with us when they went through their hardships. Even strange families lived with us. I grew in a home where love was paramount, where kindness was the order of the day, where the poor loved, even though my mother and father had nothing. They were poor, but I tell you, they had what no people had. They had the kindness of God, the love of God, to reach out to those who were in dire need. I thank God for the way I was brought up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And let me reiterate again. If what you own, you cannot share or give away, then you don't own it. It owns you. And if money and possessions own you, you're going to go downhill. Let me continue. With the born again spiritful Christians, hear and see the dire need of the downtrodden. We not only close our ears to their cry, we shut our eyes to their need, and further, furthermore, we shut off our heart to them. Oh, but not King Artaxerxes, a heathen king who served false gods, yet showed forth such godly character. You know this. You might be a nobody. You might just be a cupbearer. But if you live a life of holiness, glorifying God and not yourself, and you live it before men, let me say this one thing. Your testimony will speak louder than words. They might not serve your God, but they will respect your God because of you. Hallelujah. And they will do things that will honor you and even honor your God. What he heard from Nehemiah touched his inner man. He was moved with compassion. He was moved beyond his feelings. You know, many people are compassionate and they have feelings. But like I said earlier, Prayer without feet is dead. Compassion without action is futile. Don't feel sorry for a person. Don't sympathize. Empathize. Involve yourself. Open your hand and minister. Bless. Does not the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive? Sometimes you might not have money to give. Sometimes you might not have bread to give. But sometimes just give your time to people. Give a listening ear. Hear their cries. Listen. Hallelujah. This man was moved beyond compassion. He was moved beyond his feelings. He was moved to action. 
Let us born again spiritual Christians take a leaf out of the life of King Artaxerxes and apply and apply what the Word of God encourages us to do concerning our fellow Christian brethren who are found in dire circumstances and in need of immediate assistance. Let me let let us remind ourselves of the following of the following verses in regards to ministering to others and more so Christians. Because good deeds first begin in the hassle of God. If you don't start your kindness in your own home and you give it outside, what you give outside will never be effective. You start always in your own home. You know we're having Christian men that raise money from pensioners, from people this way, that way, who can hardly bear to give. And you know what? You know what? You know what? They take that money and buy jet planes. They're going to answer to God. They're going to answer to God. We ought to carry each other's burdens. Hmm? Then the Bible says, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. The Bible also says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Oh God, here was an unsaved heathen king, a non-Jew, ministering to a man who was a Jew. Now, it speaks volumes. Now, let me say this. What we see, we have to respond unto. What we hear, we have to respond unto. And many of us might say, what can I do? Who am I? I'm a nobody. Well, let me say this, like I always say, God delights to use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. But we remain not fools, for the word of God is able to make us wise unto salvation. We know more nobodies. Ian, when you were born again, something happened. When I was born again, something happened. When every demon possessed, Sinner man, no matter what he'd done, whether he lied, stole, and done anything. When he was born again, God gave him a threefold blessing that astounds people. Do you know that when we are born again, that God immerses us into the ministry of Jesus Christ, who was a prophet, a priest, and a king. You might be a nobody in the eyes of man. You might be a nobody to yourself. But I'm here to tell you. Because God has touched you. You're more than a somebody. You're a priest of God. You're a prophet of God. You're a king subject to the king of kings. And the lord of lords. Ah come on Ian. Shout amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yes my friend. We no more nobodies. You can do something because you won't do it in your own strength. You will do it with the anointing that God has given you as a prophet, a priest, and as a king. A threefold cord that cannot be broken. Does not the Bible say, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Hallelujah. I can build a bridge between the good and the bad. And you know what? I don't need timber. I don't need steel. I just need the mantle of a prophet, a priest, and a king. And I'll bring the strange together. I'll even bring man back to God who is estranged from God. Because God has anointed me and you as prophets, priests, and kings. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be his name. Listen carefully. As prophets... We prophesy. Listen. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. What do prophets do? 
they prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As priests, we care and carry each other's burdens. See, this is what happened to Nehemiah. He heard, he never saw, but his priestly mantle came alive within him. And he began to care and carry the burden of every citizen of the Jewish people that were living in Jerusalem. Their burden became his burden for he cared for them. Hallelujah. Let me speak the scripture to you as priests. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2 9. You can do it, my brother. You have an anointing of a prophet and a priest. But that's not all. You are a king. Romans 1 6 says, We are we are prophets and kings, priests and kings. Now, before I touch on being a king, take special note of the priest. I said that when Nehemiah heard the terrible news of the situation in Jerusalem, a priestly, his priestly mantle, mantle was set free. Amen. Now, listen carefully about your priesthood. Amen. In the old Testament, the high priest wore a breastplate and special shoulder pads on which were inscribed the twelve names of the tribes of Israel. The significance, that's Anani's shoulders, the significance being that he carried, that is the high priest, carried the Jewish nation upon his heart. The breastplate speaks of the heart. Amen. In other words, the breastplate covered his heart and inscribed upon, the, upon that breastplate was the 12 tribes of Israel. And when he went into the presence of God once a year, amen, what God saw was not only the high priest, God saw the nation of Israel, Israel, which this man, this high priest had upon his heart. He could not serve God. Listen to me carefully. He could not serve God unless he loved the people of God, the nation of Israel. My dear pastor, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, you cannot serve God in your ministry unless you serve mankind first. Your love for man must be sincere. Oh yes, maybe I got it the wrong way around. Your vertical relationship, which is upward, must affect your horizontal relationship. Without love, you can never ever be an effective man or woman of God. Hallelujah. The shoulder pads, one on the left, one on the right, also inscribed upon it were the twelve tribes of Israel. Six this side, six that side. And what does this show? What does this show? What does this show? You carry twelve tribes. Huh? Twelve tribes. You know, in, in the book of Revelation, the Holy Spirit anoints twelve thousand Jewish men, I don't know, women as well. Twelve Jewish people from each tribe, 144,000. This man, this high priest, never only had 144,000 people upon his shoulders. He had the nation. He cared for the people. Their burdens were upon him. 
We're going to care for each other, carry each other's burdens. And you know the weight of carrying other people's pain and sorrow, sickness and diseases and even sin. It's too much alone. You cannot bear it. And what it does, it weighs you down. It weighs you down. It pressures you down and you fall on your knees. That burden of pain and sorrow and anguish that people are experiencing becomes yours and it weighs you down. But I've got good news for you, my brother, my sister. When you are at your weakest, you're at your strongest. Because when we get down on our knees and we talk to God, the power of God floods your soul and your inner soul. And when you pray for others, God delivers them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And as kings. My notes are all distorted now. <laughs> as kings. What happens? What happens? I remember as a little boy Ian. Oh, and I had a lovely upbringing. I, I wrote the other day that I grew up in apartheid South Africa. It divided people. I had a terrible upbringing. But you know where I lived? I was born in 15 Pine Road, Woodstock. Those were the happiest days of my life until I met Mrs. D and Jesus. Every young child that lived in Pine Road went to a different school. Some went to a white school. Some went to a colored school. Some went to a black school. And a lot of ones that wanted to be white but had a dark skin went to private schools. <laughs> but when that school bell rang in, and we came home, there was no more separation. There was no segregation amongst us. We all got together, white, black, pink, gray. All of us got together and we played soccer, rugby, cricket. We played a game known as Kennedy. 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 <laughs> Can't even pronounce it. But we were one people. But as we grew up, we scattered. And I want to say this, my dear brother. I want to say this. Even in suffering, when we identify ourselves with people, God takes our suffering and uses, uses it for his benefit. Now, as kings, I never reigned as a king in South Africa. I suffered terribly. But you know what? When I met Jesus, I as a nobody became a king. Do you believe that? Read the book of Revelation if my memory serves me right. Chapter 1 verse 6. We are kingdom of priests and kings. And I was talking about Pilate for this reason. We used to play a game, hide and seek. And this was the call. K-I-N-G spells king. One person had to stand against the wall and close their eyes and cry. K-I-N-G spells king. And then he would shout, I'm coming, ready or not. K-I-N-G spells king. And he would come for looking, look, looking for all of us who are hiding. You know, Ian, you are a king. I am a king. We're not only prophets, not only priests. You know what we are? We are kings. Listen, just like Jesus is a king, K-I-N-G spells king, king in never ending glory. So is our kingship without end. Listen to me. Heaven is his throne, his king. And we are seated with Christ in Christ. So if Christ is king, we are king. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. And if I'm in Christ and you are in Christ, we are kings like Christ. We are in control. Demons 
have to listen to us. Amen. Now, let me reiterate this once again. I said prophet, priest and king. A threefold cord that cannot be broken. I shared this before but I'm going to share it again. Prophet. P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Proclaiming revelation over propaganda held in eternal truth. Our voice speaks clarity. It shows the way. This is the way. Walking in it. We declare the way of the Lord. And then we are priests. I said it in and I'm sure you can remember. Everyone wants to be a prophet in our day. You know why? The prophet has the, man, the mind of God. He speaks on behalf of God. Hallelujah. I am the voice of the Lord. Thus saith the prophet Job. <laughs> Thus saith the prophet Ian. Hand me over your checkbook. <laughs> so Joe, I have a question. What? What makes you a prophet? My baptism into the spirit. The Bible says Acts 2. Amen. Listen, Kevin. I mean, uh, uh, Ian. We might not be ascended gifted prophets. But we got the gift of prophecy and our preaching. And that's how we are prophets. Amen. Now, as I said, P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Proclaiming revelation over propaganda. Now, everyone wants to be a prophet because you become famous. Are you with me? You speak the mind of God. You're the man of God. And I'll never remember, I'll never forget rather Ian. I just taught at Cumberland Bible College. I lectured on uh, the, the, the old prophet and the young prophet. And you know the old prophet was a liar. He lied, he prophesied a lie, and a day later he prophesied the truth. So we've got to be careful even about prophets, right? But I was walking down, uh, was it, was it, it wasn't West Street, it wasn't West Street? Yeah, I think it, it was West Street, I'm not too sure. Or Smith Street. And as I'm walking, I'm thinking about what I just taught. And God gives me a thought like this. Do you want to be a prophet or a man of God? Imagine me, Prophet Joe Boy D. Alindi. And most people will say, yes, Prophet Joe Boy Dilly Lindy. <laughs> Glory. But you know what? I reminded myself of what I heard. Do you want to be a prophet or a man of God? And I thought, and I said, no, God, I don't want to be a prophet. I want to be a man of God. M-A-M Manifesting the Almighty's nature. That's a man of God. M-A-M Manifesting the Almighty's nature, his character, his essence, his lifestyle. We become living epistles. Read and known by all men. I'm coming to a close now. Nehemiah was a wise man. He was going to travel in a foreign lands where he was not known. So he said, okay, king, you grant me permission. You ask me how long I'm going to be on my leave of absence. Don't worry. As soon as I'm finished my duties, I'm coming back. I appreciate you. I'm coming back because you treat me as one of yours, I'm coming back. But the people beyond this palace, I don't know. Will you please give me letters that confirms that you are sending me and therefore these people in the foreign lands that I pass through, they cannot touch me or harm me. The Lord went one step further, one step better. He even sends soldiers with Nehemiah. Amen. You know, it's wonderful when our ways please God. Even those that know not God, even those that know not God will protect us. And other than that, you know, sometimes, uh, I'll say Nehemiah to you now, sometimes, you know, Ian, we haven't got the money to do what God has called us to do. We won't go any further. We won't go any further. 
But do you know, even the heathen will minister to us. How is this man going to build? He was but a cup bearer. I, I, I dare say he earned well, but he earned enough just to cover his roof and feed his family. He never had the wherewithal to buy the timber, the, 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 the furnishings and all this type of thing, the roofing and all this type of thing. He had absolutely nothing. But you know what? My God shall supply all our need and not our greed. God doesn't supply our greed. God supplies our need. And I always tell you, Ian, though we struggle in this ministry, we're going on for seven years. God has kept us. Only two people have ministered to us. No, three. Amen. We don't ask for money. God is our source. Amen. We trust God to rain money from heaven. Amen. Amen. Now, now let me read the whole verse. It says, God shall supply all, all our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, let me say this, Ian. Even the heathen will minister to us. Nehemiah said to King, said to King Artaxerxes, Will you provide the timber to build the walls, to build my house? Give me letters to take to Asaph, who's in charge of your forestry, that he might give me all the material. Imagine building the walls of a city. Huh? Imagine doing the gate. It must have cost thousands. Amen. But you know what? God even gave him the labors to carry the wood. He gave him the army, some of the soldiers of the army of King Azurus. We close there. I trust that this has been a blessing to you. Maybe I just need to reiterate to, to, to drive home what I endeavored to teach and preach this morning. Nehemiah a slave, a nobody, but found favor with the king because he had favor with God. I'll never forget, I think it was Apostle Ronnie Naidu, who I heard for the first time say this, it's better to be known in the courts of God than to be known in the courts of men. When you're known in the courts of God, God will bless you to find favor in the courts of men. Amen. Nehemiah was willing to make a sacrifice. He was willing to, to leave his comfort zone. He was a type of Jesus. Amen. Jesus left heaven, the portals of glory. He put aside, in a sense, his everything. And he became a man, a servant. To identify himself with us. Look at Nehemiah had nothing short of living a good life. But like Jesus who made himself no, of no reputation. He left his comfort zone. And he was no more just a slave to King Artaxerxes. He was a servant to the Jewish people in Jerusalem. What a man. What a man. Let's briefly talk about King Artaxerxes, an unsaved man, a non-Jew. But look at his heart. Look at his compassion. Look at his relationship with Nehemiah. Look how he supplied the need for Nehemiah to rebuild Jerusalem. What are you doing, my brother? What are you doing, my sister? You and I that know Jesus. How are you blessing the church? You know, if you look round about you, the walls are broken down. Not only in your community, but in your church. The enemy runs rampant in your area. Drugs and vice, you name it, it's there. But go to your church. What spiritual standard is there in your church? Is it a high standard or mediocre or low? Things are going wrong in the church as well. You hear it, you see it. But what in the world are you and I doing about it? Charity begins at home. 
Amen. Look at your home. What standards have we set in our home? Do we still have family altar? Do we still gather at the meal table and pray together as a family? Or tell me, is the children just shutting up at the table? They just got to eat their food. Is there any communication? Is there fun and laughter at the table? Oh man, is the word of God shared? The table is a place of fellowship, of laughter, of eating, of sharing. My God, let it begin at home, at home, at home. Too many of us have a house. The time has come for us to have a home. Heaven on my earth. Change your home, you'll change your church. Change your home, you'll change your church. And then together you will change the community. We hear and we see, but we're doing nothing. God help us. God help us. God help us. God help us. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Oh, you spoke through us today, God. We pray for the church, oh God. The year and the even see. But we slow, oh God. Your word says, blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. Oh God. But I see where Hanina is concerned, oh God. He brought bad news. But the person that heard the bad news was the one to take the blessings of God that make it rich and add no sorrow to Jerusalem. Let us be like Nehemiah, Lord. Let us hear and see things which are not good. But let us right the wrongs in our churches, in our homes, and in our neighborhood, and in this world. Bless Ian and I, Mrs. D and Catherine, Lord. Bless us, God. We want to work for you. We want to work with you. Not so much for you, but we want to work with you. Oh God, I love you, and I thank you that you love me. Bless this word, make it alive in the hearts of your people, that God you will raise Nehemiah up in this day and age. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Amen.